broadcasting live from the phx.fm studio in phoenix arizona it's time for valley business radio spotlighting the valley's best businesses and the people who lead them Welcome to Valley Business Radio, where we tell the stories traditional media tends to ignore and help connect you with the right people. Today's show is another installment in our mini-series on financial topics brought to you by the team at Wild Wealth Management Group, an award-winning independent financial advisory firm that provides comprehensive retirement, investment, real estate, insurance, legal, and tax planning services all under one roof. Each Wednesday, professionals from the firm and their trusted partners delve into topics ranging from retirement and the stock market to college planning, real estate, and insurance. Today on the Wild Wealth Way, we're discussing all things related to the housing market, from refinancing your home to mortgages and the market's impact on real estate and finance. I'm your host, Adrian McIntyre, and I'm joined for this conversation by Scott Aitken, a wealth management advisor with Wild Wealth who brings vast knowledge from working in wealth management for the better part of a decade, and Casey Taylor, a Wild Wealth partner and the owner of Mortgage Consultants Network and Taylor Elite Group, mortgage and real estate companies that he founded in 2005 and 2015, respectively. Scott, Casey, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Adrian. Now, between the two of you, you've got somewhere in the realm of 20 to 30 years of experience. And in that time, and particularly here in Arizona, we have seen the housing market go way up, go way down, and everything in between. Scott, why don't you kick off this conversation by telling us about what's going on right now in the housing market? How is that affecting real estate? Things are a little bit nutty out there. What are you seeing? Things are really nutty. I think what we're seeing, and and Casey's going to expand on this a little bit, but the supply demand issues have been there for a long, long time. And I think with, with what's happening with COVID and this migration from, you know, the metropolis to, to the suburbs, um, what I'm seeing in particular is people from California coming over here in the herds. And I think that's because a lot of these people now can, can work from home. And the trend on that, on that front is going to continue probably for the, for the foreseeable future. And so these people are, are trying to find a way, you know, if you could, if you could decrease your expenses, um, significantly save on taxes and move to an area that maybe a house is one third the cost, um, personal experience. I've seen the last, uh, couple months, people listing houses for sale and, and they're multiple cash offers in, in two, three days above asking and houses just are not, are not staying, um, on the market. So that's obviously causing prices to increase significantly. In what we sometimes call a seller's market, there is just a lot of demand and the the supply is not always there. There's a lot of other dynamics happening as well. Um, certainly the, the low interest rates are creating a, a very hot market for refinancing. Casey, what are you seeing out there and what are some of the top issues that uh, that's coming across your desk these days? Well, you're exactly right. And what we're seeing with the amount of low inventory and the amount of um, buyers out there trying to trying to capitalize on that low inventory, especially with the low interest rate environment that we're having, it's a perfect storm for a seller's market. We have a very lack of, of amount of available homes for people to buy. And with with Scott mentioning people from coming from other states and the affordability that Arizona has to offer, we're, we're seeing the perfect storm for a seller's market. We're getting multiple offers, you know, people not even having an opportunity to compete. And that's putting a lot of pressure on buyers to, to, to find properties. Now, what are the 
ramifications of this. You know, when you drop a stone in the water and those ripples go out from there, they can reach quite distant shores and have uh, unforeseen impacts. How is this affecting folks? And of course, the market is not unified. There's the lower end of the market, the upper end of the market. How are different folks experiencing this? What are the, what are the implications of what's going on? Well, the implications are just just that it's 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 affecting people at all levels you know they're with covid hitting and the pandemic maybe somebody who would have thought about selling two three months ago is now saying you know what i'm going to hold tight there's been a lot of job losses there's been people who have you know been significantly impacted by this maybe they have to sell maybe they can't sell maybe there's the opportunity for them to move up into a bigger home maybe they can't now so the ripple effect is is wide across all levels you know whether it's low income housing or even you know the luxury market there's there's people who maybe have to offload a house now in the luxury market because, you know, their portfolio has been impacted or they've had a, a, a job uh, impact their, their income. And now, now that's stretching across the board. What are we seeing trend wise in terms of the pricing issue? Uh, uh, prices, the big story for a while was how much the market was kind of heading upward. Where are things at? Has COVID-19 affected that? Kind of what's the general hot take on pricing? Yes. Yeah, so Pricing is staying fairly stable. However, what you're seeing is what Scott mentioned earlier is, I'll give an example. You see a $300,000 house. Houses, it may be priced at 300, but maybe in a realistic market, it's listed at 285 or 290. That house is now listed higher because of there's lack of inventory. That house gets listed at 300 and you have multiple offers. And in fact, I had a client, we made an offer. The house was listed for 320,000. We offered 335,000, $100,000 down. And the agent responded that they had 15 offers and they took another offer. So when you have 15 people making an offer in a weekend and they're significantly above asking price, that's the, that's the pricing factor that, that is now happening to where you can now list a house at market value and you're going to be getting offers way above market value. Well, and there's the ripple effect, right? Because what does that do to houses coming on the market in the coming weeks? Right. I mean, exactly. It's, it's causing things to just increase. I, I don't know the numbers. I actually read something this morning in the Wall Street Journal. Um, this isn't necessarily local, but it gives us an idea around what's going on nationally. And New York City, for instance, <clears throat> you know, they were shut down from showing houses. Um, those agents couldn't do anything for, I think, eight weeks. F the first full month back was July. They were expecting to see a huge pent up demand, some, some pretty big numbers. And what ended up happening was New York City was down, I believe it was 56% year over year. Whereas on the flip side, the Hamptons, Connecticut, um, West, uh, Westchester, some of these other areas were up 20, 30, 40%. So there's that migration, right? People can work from home. They're, they're migrating out to the suburbs um, if they don't have to live in the city. And, you know, now they don't have to, they, you know, and some of these apartments in New York City that have, that have been on the market, I saw, I read something about one in Chelsea that three months ago, the asking price was 22 million. Right now it's 10 million. So it's a little bit of the flip side is what, of what we're seeing here. Now, both of you uh, serve an important role in working alongside buyers and, and Casey, maybe to a certain extent sellers, I don't know, in, in, in managing the long-term <laughs> financial goals that they have. And I want to do talk about that. But before that, I have a very basic kind of simplistic question, which is 
it's not always that this much t- turmoil, this much um, uncertainty, this these fast moves in in supply, in price, and things. Those are not always in people's best interest. It can create a lot of unsettling situations, a lot of emotional uh, behavior on the part of buyers and sellers. Uh, as you try to provide a level of kind of rationality, stability, thoughtfulness to folks when things are white hot like they are right now. What are some of the key challenges? What are some of the key issues? What are you advising your clients uh, in this in these kind of tumultuous, uncertain times? Yeah, for me, I'm going to take this real quick, Casey. For me, as a financial planner, you know, my clients, my, my, my goal, my area of expertise is to pro- provide sound financial advice and, and to have a solid financial plan in place. If I've got a client who was looking to buy a house this year and we knew that two years ago and we knew what their budget was and their financial plan tells us they need to stick to this budget. Well, they're getting a lot less house now than they would have gotten two years ago when we said their budget was say $400,000. So emotionally, what I've noticed is it's challenging for people now to swallow the fact that maybe they're getting less house for the same amount of money. Um, but on the flip side, there is some savings here with, with the ability to lock in these incredible, incredibly low interest rates, rates that, that we've literally never seen. Yeah, Casey, why don't you respond to that? And let's talk a little bit about, about mortgages and refinancing and so on. But what the first question was, what are you advising folks now? What are you seeing them dealing with and how are you responding to that? Well, it, it's, it's very much that. It's, it's a case-by-case basis. You, you really got to look at what Scott said is, you know, what's their financial plan? What's their timeline? Because somebody trying to buy in this market, in fact, I told a, a client referral yesterday, um, she's in the $250,000 price range. She's putting very minimal down on a first-time home buyer program. And I told her now is not the time to, to jump into this market. She's you know seeing things go off the market really quickly. And it's very hard for somebody like that to compete. You know, On average, just, just in August alone, normally this time of year and in, in any given year, we have maybe 12 to 15,000 homes on the market. There was only 5,400 homes on the market in Arizona right now. So when, when you're trying to jump into that pool, it's 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 going to be very discouraging for people who can't buy at the same time to to what Scott mentioned there are people on the flip side of that where maybe last year or 2 years ago when interest rates were higher they couldn't afford as much so we have an affordability index right now where they can actually try and buy a home get it at a very low interest rate that otherwise wasn't as attractive in the past. And now they can afford a home that maybe they couldn't have a year ago. So you've got both sides of of the scale where pricing has gone up, interest rates are down. The question really is, where does it fit in their financial plan? And is it a smart investment to buy now? Right. I mean, opportunity shows up differently for different folks at different phases in different situations, uh, certainly first-time buyers uh, versus people who are trying to relocate are in very, or at a second home, in a very different kind of uh, dynamic. What are some of the issues there? What, what I'm seeing is uh, I've had multiple clients, one from Chicago, one from California, and I'm working with another one from Lincoln right now. And that's the migration effect that Scott mentioned earlier. Here in Arizona, we have very affordable housing. We have very affordable taxes. And 
it's it's an all around great place to live. So when, when I'm seeing people come from selling a six hundred thousand dollar house in California, they can buy a you know three or four hundred thousand dollar house that may be equivalent to what they owned in California. They can pay cash. That's where all of a sudden the first time home buyers they don't have an opportunity to compete against those people. So you know you, you've got it across all scales. But that said, the, the the real issue becomes lack of inventory. We probably have about ten to one buyers right now trying to buy and capitalize on this low interest rate market. You know, I've I just helped some other first time home buyers who are paying fourteen hundred dollars in rent on a two bedroom apartment. I now just got them a three bedroom two two bath home with a backyard and a garage and everything else, and their payments are going to be all of about sixteen hundred. So they're paying two hundred dollars more for ownership, and that's where they're going to start to see that increased value and wealth over time by owning real estate. Let's talk specifically about mortgages. Uh, Rates are at a low. What's driving that? What are the implications of that? How does that affect people's calculations and decisions? So there's multiple variables involved in that. Obviously, you know, the market with the pandemic and COVID has, has set a lot of uncertainty. The feds have lowered interest rates. And one thing that that this government and the feds did learn from the recession that we had back in 2008 was we cannot let housing fail. So immediately when this pandemic hit, the feds lowered interest rates, bond markets and and investors have, have created an appetite to where interest rates are very low. I I think they're going to remain low for a long time um, just because the the effects of what we're seeing in this market, in the economy that COVID has implemented just in the first few months, it's going to take a lot longer to get out. I mean, the stock markets, Scott could probably touch on this, but the stock markets actually rebounded pretty healthily. But that said, we we now have a dynamic of, you know, how's the you know, the schooling and everything that we're going through right now in, in this, you know, unprecedented time, you know, with jobs and, you know, just managing the expectations of the quarantining and social distancing and everything else. What is that really going to do to the economy over the next several quarters? Yeah. Scott, what are your thoughts on this from the wealth management perspective? What are you seeing uh, through the lens of mortgages, refinancing, how that fits into people's long-term financial plans. Yeah. So (laughs) I've talked to Casey more the last two months than probably over the last year and a half. Um, You know, all my clients I sit with, we review their financial plan or new clients and we're building out a financial plan. One of the most important components is trying to align their long-term goals and objectives with their plan. And, And a big component of that obviously is their debt going into retirement. And everybody's situation is different. You know, some people, believe it or not, still do have a pension. Some people are going to have a lot of of income in retirement. Most people aren't. Most people are having to self-fund their retirement with the savings that they've accumulated during their their working years. So, you know, right now, all the way going back to February, March, you know, times like this, times of uncertainty, uncomfortable times, there's always an opportunity on the flip side the biggest opportunity for my clients right now, I shouldn't say the biggest, one of the biggest opportunities for my clients is, is really evaluating their debt, looking at their, their mortgage and, and how the payoff of that mortgage aligns with their retirement goals. And that, that leads back to why I've talked to Casey so much the last few months. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many people 
Casey's talked to of my clients and, and actually done refis for that, you know, we're reducing the last one we did, I think she cut 13 years off her loan and her payment went up by like $300 a month. I mean, it was, the numbers are just staggering and, you know, locking people in at, at these rates right now for the next 10, 15, 20 years is just such a huge, um, such a huge factor when you think about an overall financial plan and a retirement plan. The demand for refinancing is at a very high right now. I read an article in the Phoenix Business Journal the other day uh, that it's something like 4x, 5x what you would normally expect. And that creates a supply and demand problem with the actual time of the professionals who are available to work on these things. Casey, uh, how are you How are you dealing with this in the sense of you still just, you know, every, every one person is still just one person with the same 24 hours in a day. And yet the increase in demand for these refis and other things is creating a huge amount of workload. How's that, how's that going? Busy. And uh, it, it is just that it's it's an increased workload across all markets. Many, many lenders are at capacity. Many have, have brought on additional staffing just to meet the demands of, you know, the the applications that are coming in right now. Um, but but realistically, what I, what I do is I evaluate every every person's situation individually. There's clients I've recently just told it, it doesn't make sense financially because let's say somebody's at 3.75. They think, well, if I could go to 3%, I can get a much lower rate, but then you start to do the numbers and it, it just doesn't always necessarily pencil. So you really have to look at, you know, what their long-term goals are. Are, are they going to be in the house for another 15 years? Does it make sense to go to a 15 year loan? Or if somebody's going to only be there a few years, maybe you say, Hey, they, you know, by the time you look at the cost involved in the savings, it just doesn't pencil from a financial standpoint. So even though you can get a lower rate, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't make sense. But then on the flip side of that, what Scott just mentioned, I've got clients where we're saving them a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars over the life of the loan by going from a higher interest rate to a, a more favorable term. Maybe they're going from a 30 year to a 20 year or a 15 year. Now they're paying off the loan in less time. They're saving a substantial amount of money. And that right there just contributes wealth to their property, their, their, their asset and, and their equity position there and their long-term financial plan. You know, obviously we can't give any specific advice here without you sitting down with somebody and, and taking a look under the hood and really getting into their goals and their current situation. But what's some general rule of thumb kind of advice you would have for folks who may be wondering, they see this happening, they see the headlines, maybe they're hearing from their neighbors or their family and friends that this is going on. They're wondering, is this right for me? What are the key things they need to be thinking about? Obviously, step one should be to give you guys a call. But if they're trying to figure out if this is you know, if this is appropriate, what are the top line things they need to be considering? Well, some of the top line things they need to do is, is just have a, a quick review, you know, whether the, the review is with, you know, Scott and I, we, we review clients together. He's looking at certain things. I'm looking at certain things. We then come back and say, you know, is this going to meet, you know, the, a, a benefit analysis for that client? Because sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. But overall, we, we look at the numbers, analyze them, and that's what's going to make the most sense is, you know, 
look at it individually because somebody may be able to, you know, for example, if somebody's got a $400,000 loan, they might be able to get three quarters of a percent lower and they save a lot of money. Whereas somebody else with, let's say a hundred thousand dollar loan, you know, you, you save three quarters of a percent there. It's just not as much savings to, to impact a, a big financial offset. Yeah, I'm going to echo what Casey said. I mean, some of the things they need to be looking at, again, everyone's situation is different. And in some people, it's, it's, I can't even stress how important it is that they are out of debt by the time they're ready to retire. With other people, you know, maybe they only have 15 years left on their loan. But for some of these people, you know, maybe a 30 year refi makes sense. Again, having the ability to sit down with, with an expert who can analyze the, 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 the cost savings and, and, and a, take a bigger picture approach and look at the actual retirement plan and see what's going to benefit them in their specific scenario. Um, I can't stress the importance of that. You can't always be honed in and focused in on, on getting the lowest rate or getting the, the lowest payment today. Um, too often do we see people reduce their payment and it doesn't help them because what do they do? They just go and spend that money somewhere else. If your if your goal is to reduce your payment, well then what's what's the goal on the back end of that? Are you gonna then take that money and, and put it into your own pocket and invest it so that by the time you're ready to retire, you've got X amount more dollars to cover things? There's just too many you you mentioned ripple effects. There's too many ripple effects when talking about this. That's why, you know, running a real analysis using uh some sophisticated financial planning software is is it, it's invaluable really when talking about this. Well, Scott, you make a really great point as well, which is there's no point in saving money on your mortgage payments if that money simply disappears into unnecessary lifestyle expenses. Uh, you, you're really there to provide some rigor, some thoughtfulness, some strategy to help people figure out, okay, so if we did save this amount of money, what else could that do for you? And how does that fit into uh, your plan? And obviously, there are a lot of different options, a lot of different things that you would talk to folks about. Uh, let's stick with this line for just a second, since since you brought it up. How has the COVID-19 crisis, how has the dynamics in the real estate market, the low interest rates, et cetera. How has this impacted your clients' investment portfolios, their outlook? Uh, what are some of the current opportunities or challenges there that, uh, that you're seeing kind of from the wealth management hat? Yeah, good question. Luckily, the approach that I take, and I think most of the advisors here at Wild Wealth take, is to have a really good, solid, long-term strategic approach. Now, when things like this happen, it, it definitely creates opportunities for us to be more tactical. As far as what's going on with the Fed and interest rates, uh, gosh, that just, it creates so many different challenges and opportunities in the market. And, you know, Casey touched on this a minute ago. We're in the middle of, a, of a, the deepest recession we've seen. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, we don't know how long this is going to last. Unemployment's still extraordinarily high. And the S&P 500 last I looked <clears throat> is 1% from all time highs, right? So talk about the dislocation, like, holy cow, right? You hear the dislocation between Main Street and Wall Street, you hear the dislocation between the upper class and the middle and lower class. And this, this COVID-19 pandemic has exacerbated all those things. One more top note on that is with interest rates being as low as they are, and as much cash is sitting on the sidelines right now, the last number I saw was $5.2 trillion sitting in, in money market funds, which do you know what those are yielding right now? It's basically zero, right? So if people 
when that money starts to come back in into the market and comes back into play, if they can buy a 10 year treasury note, which is a safe investment at 55 basis points versus an S and P 500 index fund and the dividend yield on that right now, I think is 1.8, 1.9%. Where are you going to go for yield? You're not going to want to tie your money up in a treasury bond at, at half a percent. And on the flip side of that, rates eventually are going to come up. I mean, the Fed's been very transparent about the fact that they're going to be low for probably somewhere between two and five years. But at the tail end of this, when rates start shooting up, um, it, it's going to be challenging for the bond market. And so that just kind of speaks more towards um, why the equity markets have behaved the way they have. Yeah, you really need to have a responsive strategy. Obviously, looking forward, long term, but the, you know, to a certain extent, there's certain things you can't predict. I mean, we didn't expect this confluence of factors, you know, nine months ago, uh, the, uh, the, the, massive unemployment, the, the, the housing market issues, the, you know, all the things that you're touching on. Let's shift this focus here as we begin to move toward the end of this conversation, make it a little bit more personal. Each of you are working with clients and have for, for many, many years on some of the most significant decisions they'll ever make in their life uh, outside of personal relationships and, and, and certain other categories of decisions, certainly the, the financial choices uh, th that you're helping clients navigate are among the top, you know, five or 10 biggest things they ever have to figure out and deal with. What's that like for you? Why do you do it? And uh, what are you getting out of it? I know there's a lot that's tough right now, but this is a path you've chosen to walk. Why is that meaningful and important to you? I started in the business October 7th of 2007. Okay. So my first 18 months um, was- Thrown to the wolves. Yeah. It was interesting to say the least, right? But I wouldn't give that up for anything in the world because you learn more in- such a short period of time like that than you could in, in five or six years of school. A big part of what, what my job entails, as much as it is, you know, statistical analysis and looking at financial plans and objectives and analyzing different markets and all these different things, there's a huge emotional aspect to what we do. And, you know, whether it's 2008 or the end of 2018 or the beginning of 2020, um, sometimes these people, you know, my, my clients who instill a ton of trust, um, in, in me, and I understand that and take it very seriously, but sometimes they just need to vent and to know that it's going to be okay. And again, in every challenge presents different opportunities. And, and at the end of the day, when you've got a solid financial plan and you've got a good diversified approach, we plan for things like this. Okay. We don't know when they're going to happen, how drastic they're going to be or how long they're going to last. But for them to hear that, Hey, we plan for this. Like we knew this was going to happen. This is why we run tr stress tests. This is why we look at things from a five or 10 year perspective and not a three to six month perspective. Um, that's a huge, I think, value add for people to walk out of our offices in the middle of something like this and actually feel comfortable about what's going on. Uh, why I do it, I, I think <laughs> the value that we do add is huge, right? I think helping people navigate from working lives into retirement and doing that successfully, I can't even describe to you how rewarding that is. And again, to hear people walk out and say, gosh, I feel so much better after meeting with you. It's very, very rewarding. I can't even describe it. Mm. Well said, Scott. Casey? 
Yeah. And I'll touch on the same note is, you know, when I'm helping people, I'm usually helping people with their biggest financial transactions, whether it's buying a house, selling a house or investing in a mortgage. You know, when, when people are taking on two, three, four, you know, 500 plus thousand dollars in debt, you know, managing payments, managing their income and their assets. And, and again, building towards retirement and, and overall balance with their financial plan, that takes a lot of trust. And one of the things that I pride myself in is, is really capturing the essence of what each individual is all about. You know, working with an investor is completely different than working with a first time home buyer or somebody who is maybe now going into retirement. They want to go into their golden years and, and they're looking at downsizing and, and strategizing all of that. So really having personal accountability. Sometimes you're, you're doing your job, but then other times that you, you know, I feel like a therapist and, and a counselor and a coach, and you're managing a lot of emotional um, ties with what they're doing. And, and they're counting on people like Scott and me to really help navigate them through these uncertain times. You know, they, they want to make sure they're prepared for the future and, and really getting that guidance and, and me just listening and trying to understand what's personal and important to them. That's when I can now start to make my best advice on how they should manage their plan moving forward. You know, it occurs to me that, uh, family pressures internally, relationship dynamics within individual households, within extended families, multi-generational dynamics, et cetera, are at an all-time high. The pressures being put on uh, individual family units, both with ver various degrees of quarantine and isolation, issues around back to school, issues around working from home, you know, it, on and on and on. It, 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 there's a lot going on there. And at the same time, it's an election year. Uh, there's a lot of heat and smoke and noise around issues that certainly the media across all ranges of that spectrum uh, is capitalizing on as they try to achieve their goals of more viewers, more clicks, more more what have you. There really is a sense of uh, uncertainty is not even the right word. Anxiety, um, concern, people again, regardless of one's point of view, one's perspective, one's location on any of these spectrums. There's a lot for people to deal with. As we wrap this up, I'd love to give each of you a chance to just kind of have a parting parting word here to folks. What's your top line advice here? How are you as you in that role of of friend, counselor, advisor, trusted trusted expert? Uh, you ha you hear a lot of stuff right? from all sides and all different points of view. Oh, yeah. uh, what 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 would you say to folks to help keep them focused? on what matters to keep the main thing, the main thing, as they say. Well, one, one of the things that I, I really try and tell people is we're going to get through this. You know, this, this is a very daunting time, you know, in terms of what's going to happen tomorrow. I mean, we're in a pandemic. We've never seen this. We're, you know, you couple that with the good, the bad, and the ugly in all sectors of the market. And, you know, it's, What's going to, what are you going to wake up to tomorrow? And at the end of the day, things are going to get better. You know, there's, there's some people who are thriving in this market and there's some people who are completely miserable and, you know, really looking at it as why did this have, have to happen to me? But at the end of the day, it, it really comes down to make good, important decisions for yourself and for your family 
and do the right things because ultimately when you stick to a good plan, you will win in the end. It, it, it may be troubling, it may be trying, and you may have doubts along the way, but ultimately when you stick to a good steadfast plan and you make smart, sound, fundamental dis- decisions, whether it's financially, whether it's personally, and, and even just professionally, you know, people got to make good decisions for their household and, you know, figuring out all of those variables. And, and when you can do that at the end of the day, and, you know, maybe in 2025, we're going to look back on 2020 and go, wow, what a crazy year that was there. You know, hopefully one day we're going to be saying, remember that thing COVID and remember all of that. We had to wear masks and, and hopefully that's, that, that's not a way of the future, but we, we can get back to normal normalcy and, and think back one day and go, remember when we had to wear masks? You know, I, I want my kids right now to, to, you know, one day go, yeah, remember when we had to walk into the grocery store and wear masks? And, and hopefully that's going to be a thing in the past. But it, at that point, that's where we just have to kind of look towards the future and, and continue to prosper and, and figure out the right strategies to move forward with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. One thing we know about human beings is that we can adapt to all kinds of difficulties and come out better on the other side. Scott, what are your kind of top words of wisdom here? Uh, how are you counseling folks to, to keep focused on what matters? Sure. Um, a big part of discussions I have with my clients, and you need to understand, you know, I deal with my clients on a very personal, ongoing basis for years and years and years. And you know, it's always, you know, along the, the, the good old saying, this too shall pass, you know, when the markets are going, are going down and investment balances are potentially dropping people, the, the reaction is to, is to panic and to think that you need to do something. And, and that most of the time couldn't be further from the truth. Um, it's a matter of understanding that just like when markets are going phenomenally well, that doesn't last forever either. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm here to help my clients again, build a good long-term strategic financial plan, ensure that whatever the markets or the economy or the political situation throws at us, that we're good, we're going to be okay, that we we've, we've built this plan in a way that we can manage risks effectively. Doesn't mean we can't pivot because we will, um, in many instances, but you know, that's what we're here. We're here for. My job is to take that pressure off of my clients. If you look at statistics, the individual investor does not do well because the inclination is when markets are down, you sell. And when markets are high, you buy. And we all know that's, that's not gonna, (laughs) that's not the recipe for a winning uh, plan. So it's a matter of trying to take the emotion out, uh, trying to prevent our clients, you know, who we care deeply about from, making rash emotional decisions that most of the time are detrimental to a long-term plan, letting them know that we're here for them. We have their back. We're here to listen. We're here to guide. Um, you know, it's just that it is, it is very, the conversations I have with my clients are very, very personal. And, um, I think that, they 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 take a lot of solace from that. As they should. And they're in good hands with both of you. Scott Aiken is a wealth management advisor with Wild Wealth Management. Casey Taylor is a Wild Wealth partner and owner of Mortgage Consultants Network and Taylor Elite Group. Scott, Casey, thanks so much for joining us for the conversation today. Hey, thanks for having us, Adrian. Yep. Thanks for having us. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to Valley Business Radio on your favorite podcast app. You can also find the latest episodes online at valleybusinessradio.com. For all of us here at phx.fm, I'm Adrian McIntyre. Thanks for listening. 
We'll see you next time on Valley Business Radio. Wild Wealth Management Group has ranked as one of the top advisors for the 12th consecutive year on Barron's Top 1200 Financial Advisors, ranked number one in Arizona for 2020. Award recipient Trevor Wild, Financial Advisor at Wild Wealth Management Group. Barron's Top 1200 Advisors. Over 4,000 advisors who wish to be ranked fill out a 102-question survey about their practice. Data is verified and then applied to a ranking formula. The ranking reflects the volume of assets overseen by the advisors and their teams, revenues generated for the firms, and the quality of the advisors' practices. The scoring system assigns a top score of 100 and rates the rest by comparing them with the top-ranked advisor. Listing in this publication and or award is not a guarantee of future investment success. This recognition should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client. Securities and advisory services offered through Cetera Advisors LLC, member FINRA, SIPIC, a broker-dealer, and a registered investment advisor. Cetera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. 7025 North Scottsdale Road, Suite 115, Scottsdale, Arizona, 85253.